Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Esterworld podcast. Here with me is my regular co-host, Quinn. How's it going? Uh, it's going absolutely swell. Um, and this week, just to start off, we have a bit of a, an update on our topic from a couple of weeks ago, uh, where we talked about the Lion King dark ride. And Mark brought this to my attention um, earlier today. Uh, do you want to intro it or, you know, bring it up? Yeah, just uh, just super quick. Um, I guess it was the two episodes ago we talked about the rumor of the Lion King attraction in Animal Kingdom, that it was going to go between the Pete Safari and um, where the Lion King show is. But according to Orlando Parkstop, uh, com, it seems that it's actually the plans were, and I'm not sure exactly why it got confused with it, but the plans are actually, I believe, for a new Club 33 restaurant in Animal Kingdom. I'm not sure why it got interpreted as Lion King, but and that's not saying that it couldn't still happen, but it seems that the uh, what we specifically talked about, it's actually for a, a Club 33 restaurant, which is still interesting because, I mean, you know, between those two, it'd have to either fill the river up and, or I don't know, but I just want to make that correction. Uh, just to it, it is, it is funny that that happened because just the other day I was reading like a Club 33, you know, overview history or whatever. And I think, is it Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom that don't have Club 33 yet? Or is it Epcot and Animal Kingdom? Because two of the parks don't have it, a Club 33 yet, I believe. I think you're right. Um, I need to look more into that because I only know, like, I, I know there are, there's one at Magic Kingdom and Epcot, I believe. But my, sort, my information is just because I only really, really know about the Disneyland one because I actually went there um, once uh, quite a long time ago. But I don't really know much about the other Club 33s, so I need to get more into... Well, either way, that's cool. If I'm paying... Uh, I, I don't. I just looked this up the other day, but if, I, if I'm paying an exorbitant fee, uh, I want one in every park. Um, so I guess I... And you probably know more about it than me, I guess, but... I had always thought like Club 33 was like a, a very exclusive, um, you know, like I always heard, oh, it's like 20 grand a year or 30 grand a year or something like that. And it was only at Disneyland. And then now I keep, and again, I need to look into it more, but now I keep hearing that there are ones at other parks. So I guess it, it's gone from becoming, it's gone from like a super exclusive club only at Disneyland to more of a, like a, exclusive club but it's more easier to get into you just have to have the money like i always thought there was this huge waiting list it was like super hard to get in but it seems like now it's becoming more of just a if you have the cash you know you can get in well there is a i believe a 14 year waiting list from what i saw um but like the initiation fee i believe was like 50 grand yeah and then annual fees are like 30 grand so you have to pay that every year so has it gone up since? Cause well, I don't know because before I looked into it, there was only it, one. You know, so it's like now that they're adding more. Is the price going up with them, or I don't know? I, I probably shouldn't talk about it until I actually do more research into it. Well, from um, what I looked, yeah, you I pay and you get to go. You can go to any Club Thirty Three. Like you're not playing. You're not paying for just access to the Magic Kingdom or the just access to the Disneyland one. You can go to whatever uh, Club Thirty Three. But I mean, but they they must have restructured it then because for the one, when I went, that was the only one, 
and it was like this super exclusive club. So I guess at some point it just became more of a, you know, I, I guess it just would have been changed the whole structure of it. Cause, and it was an incredible experience, by the way. It was really, really cool because I grew up always seeing that door and always wanting to go inside. And I only got to do it once because it was like a family friend of a friend who knew someone who worked at the park, who worked at a bank and whatever, one of those weird connections. But it was really um, an amazing experience. Uh, if anyone ever gets to do it, I highly recommend it. Um, if you can go as like a guest, because the food's great. I'm only talking about the Disneyland one, but just that there's so much history in that area, and it's just it's a really cool um, thing. Well, I think the Club 33 at Magic Kingdom was literally just announced like last year or something. Like it's not like it's been there for a long time. So you're you're probably right. Or the, the landscape is probably completely changing. And if there are price changes to reflect that. I suppose we won't even know yet, especially because there's a 14-year waiting list. Like, nobody's paying uh, the fees yeah. yet. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I can't... I need to look I, into it. I watched right. a Disneyland video of Club 33. Did I mean, I can't think of anything, really. Like, as far as, like, a membership to a certain restaurant, I can think of no restaurant that would be worth that to me. I mean, I'm sure if, no. I'm, a, if I'm a billionaire, sure, I'll pay for... Yeah, whatever, that's a drop in the pot. Not a billionaire unfortunately um <laughs> well that's what i mean where it used to be a, like and i probably shouldn't talk too much about it since i'm probably just speaking and everyone's like no you're totally wrong but i always thought like the reason why it was so ridiculously expensive is because it was only there was only one club at 33 and it was only at disneyland and it was because it had all this rich history behind it which you know it does and then now i keep hearing that they're popping up another resort so i guess it has become something different I'm and sure that so was then pretty it seems requested. Like the exclusivity though. wouldn't be as, you know, it wouldn't be as worth the membership if it's just something at all the parks eventually, you know, like then it's just a well, restaurant. Well, that's fair, that's I guess, but upscale. that's probably. I mean, that's be- isn't that is that not better? I mean, then you have the original Club Thirty Three, and then you also have ones at the other parks. Yeah. Like, there's no, that's not detracting from the original one, you know. Yeah. I mean, true. I guess it kind of messes with the name a little bit. Um, where, like, Club 33 isn't just, like, this mysterious, you know... To a lot of people, that's really what it is. It's like this, oh, that's the... You know, to, like, the casual person that even knows about it. That's, yeah, that's more what I mean, where it used to be, at least growing up, it was, like, this kind of almost secret restaurant, and it was hard to find pictures, and no one really even knew how you got to be a member. And then I feel like it's more of a casual thing now, but I'll have to look into it more. I know more about the original Club 33 history, but not as much of how it's been changing and what's becoming now. Um, I mean, I sound like an old fart. So if you're like a celebrity, you know, like if you're if you're mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, do you or, or you're Tom Hanks, right? Do you just get to be a member, and then it's only like the regular folk that have to pay the fees, or like you know what I, I mean? I have no idea. I have no idea, so I probably shouldn't. I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll do a little bit more. I'll look into it more, and then we can pick it up uh, another time because I don't want to keep speaking out of um, ignorance if I am and having uh, – I want to – I'll probably have to – If you're a Club 33 a member, tweet at us. Tweet at us on Twitter. Yeah, let us let us Tell know us how wrong I am it. and what I'm saying. <laughs> Who's in Club but yeah, 33? So, but yeah, so pretty much the that rumor, what it's not for a Lion King attraction. It seems it's for a Club Thirty Three restaurant. But um, anyways, another thing I wanted to talk about because I think it's interesting 
is that I was looking around um, the interweb and I saw that it looks like the whole Disney Fox merger is um, pretty close to happening. And so, um, and I guess the, one of the holdups was there was something with Brazil and Fox Sports um, broadcasting and they had to work out something. But for me, what I, you know, and this just shows how much of a dork I am. For me, the more exciting aspect of it is it makes me wonder if we're going to get the original Star Wars films on Blu-ray, the un, the not not the George Lucas-fied cuts that there are, you know, like two or three different versions of those special editions where he kept changing and tweaking everything because Fox owns the rights to the um, the original, like A New Hope, like the original cut of A New Hope. Um, and that's, I guess, one of the biggest reasons why they haven't ever released them all in their original state on Blu-ray. So I'm curious. And also, well, when it was with George Lucas, he just, he didn't, you know, want anyone to have anything other than his new versions because he thought those were the better versions. But now that Disney has it, that was the reason, I guess, they couldn't release the original versions. And so if they merge with Fox, I'm wondering if finally, finally we'll get like a really nice Blu-ray set of the original Star Wars movies as they were before all of the garbage was put in there. I mean, we will. I I, I would bet literally anything that we will get that. The question is more when will we get that. I mean, there's so many people that want that and would buy that, and Disney puts out stuff that literally nobody wants, so they're definitely going to put out <laughs> cough, something. Solo cough. <laughs> like I, I mean, like when you when you walk into a Walmart or a Target and you go to the clearance section, there's just heaps of Star Wars merch that you're like, why why did they even make that? Um, yeah. So they're definitely like going to be putting out some, you know, uh, what what's the what's the um, non-official, the despecialized or whatever. Yeah, the, those are actually pretty. And those are pretty called? good, actually. What's that? Is it despecialized? Is that right? Yeah, the despecialized um, editions, which are actually, if you can get a hold of them, I have them, um, or at least one of, because they kept, it was like an ongoing project, so I have one of the versions of the trilogies. Um, but that's always been the next best thing because they do look really great. Um, and I use, the, whenever I use Star Wars footage in um, my episodes, I try to use the despecialized version if I can. Um because, yeah, it's it's really weird watching them because it's like, oh, I forgot. That's not because I think I mentioned, like, even though I initially grew up on the original originals, like my teen years, I kind of grew up on the special versions because those were in theaters. And then those were released um, more on uh, more so on DVD and all that. So I watched like the despecialized version and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot that wasn't in there. Um, especially since there's so many changes he's made. You know, he made changes for the Blu-rays, then for the DVDs, and then for the theatrical one. Um, in the theatrical version of Empire, Luke has this really corny, or the theatrical special version of Empire, when Luke's falling down the cavern, he has this really, really corny scream. It's like, ah, 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 ah. And then people thought it was terrible, so then he removed it once the special versions were put on vhs so there's so many different versions but um yeah the the specialized ones are the best you can get at the moment i mean i'm of the originals i've never been someone 
and I'm probably in the minority, at least of you know people listening to this podcast. I've never been particularly bothered by the special editions. I agree that some of the changes are just just awful. But I mean, for me, it was like growing up. That was all I knew. So like, right. and that was all I saw. And I mean, even growing up, like, if you're seven years old and you see something in a movie that you think is awful, it's really bad. Like when I was seven years old, I thought Spy Kids 3D Game Over was uh, a tour de force. Like that was some great oh, yeah. cinema. Uh, but I, I still remember I. as a seven year old thinking in Return of the Jedi. Uh, when they're at Jabba's palace, that opening like oh, yeah, musical that. number. I remember being a kid oh, and being like, "What am I watching?" Like it, I, even as a so kid, it was cringy. Not only that, and oh pointless. My God. It feels way out of place, though, doesn't it? Like it feels like it doesn't even feel like it's in the same set. It's just like yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre, so weird. And that's the thing. There are a few changes where, and again, I'm more of the, like the snob, I guess, the Star Wars snob that kind of you know, pays more attention to all the changes. Um, there are a few changes that make some sense, like having the Ewoks blink um, and a few other ones, but then you have the ones that make no sense, like putting a rock in front of R2-D2, which then makes no sense because then you're like, okay, how did he even get in the cavern in the first place? Um, for me, it was really just, the you know, because there's a lot of the changes where it's like, fine, whatever, I can get past having a, CGI job of the hut or you know them ruining the Tatooine scene with all those giant creatures for me it's just when they ruin or when he did something that really changed the original moment um it like is pretty example, bizarre oh go ahead sorry no I was just gonna say like and maybe to me the worst one like the absolute worst one off um that I remember is that you know Return of the Jedi you know, one of my favorite moments of the entire trilogy or really any movie um, in general is when, you know, Luke's being electrocuted by the Emperor and he's like begging his dad, you know, Anakin to help him. And you just see, you know, the John Williams music is like swelling and you just see Darth Vader looking back and forth really subtly to, you know, Luke and the Emperor. And even though you don't see his face, you just know he's like, it's just so well directed that scene. It's so well done. You just know what he's thinking. You don't even have to see his eyes, and he doesn't say anything. He just he grabs the emperor and throws him over the you know the balcony or whatever. Um, like such an incredible moment, and then he changes it and has Darth Vader going no no, and it's just <laughs> it just ruins that whole scene. And I just those are the changes that really bothered me because it's just. It, you know, it'd be like going into the, um, was it the Louvre? And no, to me, it'd be like if Leonardo da Vinci, I think they used this example on Red Letter Media um, to not make it sound like I'm stealing it. But like if, you know, Leonardo da Vinci was brought back to life and he went to the Mona Lisa and was like, you know what? I, I always wanted to change this and started just like drawing over her and made her eyes a different color or her hair a different length and color. People would be furious about that. So that's kind of I know it's such a very drastic example, but that's kind of how I this, have always seen some of the changes. This wouldn't be a like, but this wouldn't even this would be a non-issue, and I think that's the whole point. Th- this whole conversation that's been had by a million different people a billion different times would be a non-issue if the originals were just available. Nobody would care right. if Lucas had put out some 
cringy exactly, special yeah. editions if he hadn't. And that's what's so bizarre. Not even bizarre. It's just of all movies for the originals not to be available, Star Wars is such, like, at this point with the with the franchise that Star Wars is still, the fact that you can't see the original movies as released is crazy. Like, nobody would care. Nobody would care if, like, Deathstalker 3 was not yeah. available in its original, you know, like, no, nobody would care. But it's, it's Star kids. Wars. If, if they, if they, yeah, if they updated the, the, the movies. if they updated the thumb thumb CGI, there wouldn't be, we wouldn't be talking about it right now. No one right. would, okay, maybe, like, some odd people on the internet would care. But for the most part, people wouldn't care. It, it is just crazy that those aren't, and that's why, like if, if, that's why Disney will like release. If they did that with Indiana Jones or anything else, like those iconic trilogies that changed cinema forever, to you know, it's not. Well, just to imagine have to, if it happened now, though. Like, imagine if Lucas tried to do that. Like, imagine, say he still owned it, right? Say the sequels never came out, Lucas still owned it, and he was, say, right around the time Blu-rays were coming out, he was like, okay, from now on, the only releases are going to be this new edition that I'm making. That that wouldn't last very long because now right. everyone has a voice, you know that can be trending on Twitter in five seconds and that can get shut down. In nineteen ninety, whenever the first special editions came out, like late nineties, it really yeah. wasn't like that. He put them out in stores. Most people picked them up and probably didn't even know there's anything different about them. Right? They right. saw a special edition, they clapped, they bought it. That was the end of story. Right. Well, you um, can find the because I, I I'm pretty sure you can buy the original unaltered Star on Wars DVD. movies, but they're just, yeah, they're just on a low quality transfer DVD. So it's not like they're not available, but when you're like a, you know, like a visual kind of, but they're not widely pres- available. Not like me. Of know? course you can buy the VHSs or the, the one DVD release, which was like, yeah, I think it only came out on DVD one time and yeah. that, that, and those are hard to find because a lot of people want it, but you know, I, I, I don't want to watch DVD quality anymore you know it sounds like snobbish i guess but you get used to watching a certain way and especially star wars like i want to experience that uh in the best way possible i have a 4k tv kind of want i don't really want to watch it in 720p that's just me you know um no and i'm the same way and i just i guess i just i would always love to add all right i'm sure he would just have some excuse but you know they've i think again red letter media has brought up you know, when does film become like art to where it's um, like a part of I'm probably not saying this right, but like kind of like like, a, you know, the Mona Lisa um, example, like, you know, if someone were to go and change it, even if they could prove that they're, you know, related or even if, again, he came back from the dead or whatever, you know, at what point is it part of the people? Is it, you know, versus only belonging to like the creator? You know, so not saying like, oh, the directors aren't allowed to do anything they want because it is his movies, but then to not, you know, purposefully not let anyone like have the original versions. It's it's a very interesting. I couldn't see someone like Spielberg doing that like ever, like having that like almost like the kid at the playground who, you know, only, you know, doesn't want to like share his toys or whatever. He just doesn't want to like uh, he. It's the only example I can think of, though, this way. Like, there's really, and it's just with the amount of money Lucas has, 
it's just it's a weird situation and there's really nothing else to compare it to at least that i can think of i mean like like blade runner right there's like 3900 right. different cuts of blade runner nobody cares a lot of them are very subtly different uh, but you can still get the original, and actually most people prefer some of the other cuts. Uh, right. The special edition cuts, for the most part, are inferior in just about every way. Like, there's a few changes that yeah, I there's like. there's a few. And there's a bunch that are fine, but they're they're just that. They're fine, and if they weren't there, I wouldn't care. And there's a handful that I legitimately like. Like, I like... I like they had... They, like, I like that they changed the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back. I like that. Um... Oh, that's right. That's yeah, actually one of the only ones one. I can think of, actually. Like, the rest, like, there's a bunch, like, like the Ewoks, I, I, yeah. I don't know all of them, like, maybe you do, like, the Ewoks blinking, I, I don't know, yeah. but it wouldn't bother me if they didn't. Well, like, the, you know, one thing that everyone, and I think it's a better musical composition, but I, I again, it's it's a personal preference where, you know, Return of the Jedi used to end with that, I think it's called, like, Nub Nub, where it's like, Nub Nub, yeah. Um, and then he changed it, and again, it's a really good musical score where it's like and so it's more thematic that way but there are people so that change doesn't bother me other than the fact of i kind of miss the old corny song but i understand more so with that where he wanted it to have a different kind of feeling than rather than this campy song as you know nostalgic as i am for that one i understand why he wanted to do it to have it more of a thematic ending but then you have taking out the original actor who played Anakin and replacing it with Hayden Christensen, where I thought that was just kind of a little, I understand why he did it from like a narrative continuity point of view, but it's kind of a, I mean, imagine being that actor. I'm not. Yeah. Sebastian Shaw. I I just, I I don't care about that stuff though. Like even the stuff that I think is fine, I I don't care. I don't see it. And I'm just like, that makes the movie better. Like, even the stuff much. that's fine is just fine. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that he yeah. really changed where I'm like, that needed to be changed. I, that's just my opinion. Yeah. A lot of older well, movies, I kind of like, like seeing, like, the cracks. I like seeing how it was yeah. made, you know? You don't need to clean up every movie from... Yeah. It is what it is. Like, that's what I feel weird every time I talk about this because a lot of my friends are, like... I've never been one of those people where I am like I get like crazy worked up about stuff like that. Like I, I, I mean, get I'm worked up in the way where, over it, but you know. Well, I get worked up like in a, the way where I'm just like it's so dumb that it's kind of funny. Yeah. A lot of my friends will get worked up in the way that they're like actually, you know, like it actually is upsetting to them, you know. Um, but but I it, it, I always feel weird when I talk about it because it's one of those things that would literally be a non-issue. If the if the originals were available, yeah. nobody would talk about then it. Nobody would care. He could do whatever. He make could a joke make about Jabba it. the Hut like a, a clown, and no one would care because it's not um, affecting you know the original. You know, kind of like again when you you've mentioned Harry Potter as an example, and it's the only time we'll mention Harry Potter. I swear, because I know we always get into too much Harry Potter talk. Um, but like what you've said about whatever they do with the movies, you have the books. You yeah. know, so it's not like. You know, there was a worldwide book burning of Harry Potter, and then all you have are the movies or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, as so long as the original purest form is still available, no, people, there could be 500 different cop versions of Blade Runner, and people really aren't going to care. Like, you know, unless George Lucas said, okay, now the special editions are canon and the originals aren't, then right. sure, people will be mad. But it's just such a weird, t- there's really nothing I can compare it to. I, I can't think of anything. 
I'd love um, to just know his actual mindset again, because some changes are understandable, but then there are ones like, like why did you think that that amazing self-sacrifice moment at the end of Return of the Jedi needed him to be vocal, which is what everyone hated about the ending of Revenge of the Sith, where he's you know, but then he did it again, screaming in Revenge of the yeah. Sith, <laughs> like yeah, so it's like. I don't know, like, I I'd like just... to know his mindset behind it as to, like, the technology ones, I kind of understand where he... See, but those again, are the ones I, that bother me. I like seeing I oh. like seeing the old X-Wing models, even if they look kind of corny or whatever, but I understand, I guess, if you're a perfectionist of wanting to update everything with CGI, whatever, but, but it's it those moments worse. where it's like, it's not like you never had the ability to do A lot of it looks worse, though. Like, that's my, that's, like, like the, the Han shot first... I know it's yeah. like a, people bring that up, but my God, that looks just terrible. Like when his know, neck just like goes, it, it looks awful. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in that deleted Jabba the Hutt scene, right? Where when right. they originally filmed it, Jabba the Hutt was just some guy, right? Yeah. And Han walks behind him and he just walks behind him because he's just some guy. Like, you know, you, you don't have a tail that I've got to step on, right? right? But then yeah. later they're like, all right, let's CGI Jabba in here, even though something that was great about the original trilogy is they built up Jabba the Hutt. He's this mysterious character, right? And then you finally right. see him in, in uh, Return of the Jedi. But and now let's like throw CGI him into mess. A New Hope and let's make him look like he's out of like a 1995 McDonald's commercial. And let's like... That's jump. the other problem is the technology at that point wasn't... But then, Today you could get more away with it, but it's so dated. Like even But more you know than, what I'm talking about, right? When they make yeah. it look like he steps on the tail... Yeah. That's the stuff that bothers me because it's just like, how did you look at that and think, this is good, this is better than what we had before? No. But for me, George. But for me, the what like have you done? I guess my point is that when it comes to the CGI stuff, if you're like an insane perfectionist, even if it's not a good decision, I guess I could see you being like, oh, I want Yoda to be CGI because I want it to be perfect, and I want the X wings to be CG because I want better movement, whatever. But it's the things like the like what I mentioned with Darth Vader yelling no, it's not like that was a technology. It's not like you didn't have voiceover technology back then, you know? So, like, it's not like you couldn't have done it. So why, you know what I mean? Like, if it's something you've always wanted to have in the movies, you would have just done it because there were no limitations to do some voiceover. So those are the changes that Wait, kind of they, boggle my mind. They never replaced Puppet Yoda, did they? Well, they did in Phantom Menace. In the oh, original. I, knew, I knew that. I like that. Yeah. That's a good change. Phantom Menace Yoda looks puppet, horrible. But that's because oh I prefer. Again, I like to see the cracks and the <sighs> you know the. I know, but he looks. He's um, disturbing. Like <laughs> he's disturbing. Like yeah. have you ever seen the Leprechaun movies? Yeah, so I think I saw the first one. That's what Yoda from Phantom Menace reminds me of. Is the Leprechaun from Leprechaun Two: Back to the Hood? Great film, by the way. You should check it out, everyone listening. Um, but I mean, he looks awful. I actually that that's I actually forgot about that. That's one change where I really like. I don't care what he does to the pre- what he did to the prequels. What what did he do to the prequels other than that? I can't. I think that's it. But then, like I said, what I found hilarious too is that example where, and we can move on from this in a second. Um, when in the theatrical version of Empire, I mentioned that they added Luke screaming as he fell down, and then he, by the time it went to home release, he had taken it out. So it's just like this constant tinkering where it's not even filmmaking at that point. It's almost just like experimenting where oh put it in for this version take it out for this version change it for this version and to me that's 
you know, that's when you know you're having too much creative control where you can. But just I think that's fine and death, cool. You know? Don't you? Like, I think that would be fine and cool if every five, six years, George Lucas, you know, the psychotic old man, <laughs> wanted to release a new edition. I'd probably go buy it and see yeah. what what what's that crazy old codger up to this time and i'd watch it but then replace jar jar binks with a brand new character so people love him yeah Yeah. but then i'd go back and watch the originals but you can't do that and that's why it's an issue like nobody cares if if, uh, ridley scott changes aliens for the 40th time because he's not taking away the originals like ridley scott's kind of that way with some of his movies too where he's he's constantly wanting to tinker with them and you know ridley scott's someone where he's kind of irritated people in recent years because he's you know with Prometheus and some of those movies, he's changed right. some things canonically, but that's a completely different story. But yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it, but to answer the question, which was kind of the whole point of us talking about this, is will we finally get the Star Wars Blu-rays? Absolutely. They're going to sell like hotcakes. Yeah. They'll probably wait for like an anniversary and then drop them. And then, I mean, I think they'll like, like break Blu-ray sales for like a year. I mean, nobody buys oh, physical yeah. media anymore, but everybody will go buy those. I'll go buy those. And I haven't bought a physical copy of a dvd or a blu-ray in probably two years I, there's no point in my opinion anymore um I'm, I'm the old man where i i like things that are tangible and i like having like a display so i i, I hate buying movies digitally and i'm gonna i know i'm gonna be the old man forever who's just like refuses to change with technology i don't mind renting digitally i don't mind um same with books i like having the physical book i don't know it's a like, weird but, no thing i, I get you, you know? i 100% get you and i agree that i prefer physical media too but and that's why i still buy hardcover books all the time but my thought is i mean i look at my my older sister's probably got a thousand dvds and she right. probably paid 25 bucks for each of them over the last 15 years and now they moved on to blu-rays and all those dvds are worth nothing and it's the same thing with blu-ray they're going to come out with some i mean there's already 4k ultra hd and then at that point everything you bought is just you threw away money and i that's why like what i will say but if you but the thing is with i'm in the on that point if you buy everything digitally because i remember it was like probably five or six years ago when i'd kind of built up my blu-ray collection um when i was in um working at another company and I was able to take all of my DVDs. I, it took forever to go through and figure it because I had a lot back home in Washington. Um, but I was able to sell this huge box of DVDs for like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. But with digital, you're never going to be able – there's not going to have some kind of trade-in program. For but like with digital, you're never going to feel any – you're never going to need to upgrade, you know? Like with DVDs, are it's they like, give oh – why would you, you ever want to do that? Buy, I mean, I don't buy a bunch buy, of physical things anyway. But I mean, I probably... let's say you buy a movie on, this, you know, back when they only had standard version of the movie, right, on iTunes. And then they re-release it on iTunes with the digital version or with the HD version. And then let's say they re-release it again with a 4K version. So you still technically would have to, if you wanted to get the best looking copy, you would have to be buying each new version digitally, but you can't sell your original digital downloads. Well, I get the you know? argument, but if I actually, because I don't buy, I don't buy movies on iTunes either. I just, I just don't buy movies really. I guess because uh, I, yeah. I, I've always just felt like it's a waste of money. The only movies I buy are like, I bought the Star Wars movies on Blu-ray, and I bought Fantastic Beasts on Blu-ray. Like franchise movies, I'll buy. But other than that, like I'm fine with just if I really want to watch a movie, like there's there's a movie I, I have to see it, right? 
I'll, I'll rent it. I, I can go to Redbox yeah. or I can go to the library and watch it, you know? And and that's probably why, actually, now that you... Because I think only in, like, the last year, I've probably only bought, like, three or four movies, maybe. I always get Pixar movies. Um, but I guess with how everything is so easily available to rent for cheap or Netflix, I remember there was a time when I bought every movie I liked that came out. And now I really don't because I know it'll either be on Netflix or Hulu or, you know, whatever. So I, I see what you mean where if I were to make a chart, my movie spending has gone way, you know, like from buying every movie I liked to hardly anything really. I don't even think I have the latest Star Wars. Um, actually, I do. Well, but it's just like you mean. it's like you go to a secondhand store and they won't even take VHS tapes anymore. Like they will not take them. Right. Um, and I remember well, being a kid. Games, yeah. I remember being a kid and walking into like Fleet Farm or Walmart, and they were trying to like they'd have VHS tapes. This was not a, was I was a really little kid, and VHS tapes were already on the way out. But they'd have tapes for like fifteen twenty bucks, and there's probably people that yeah. spent five thousand dollars on movies over 10, 15 years, and then at the end of it, yeah. you've got nothing. You know, it's like that's why yeah. I just prefer to rent or just because I don't like having just a bunch of junk, but. That's just me, but... Uh, well, I think um, for me, it was, like, initially, it was, like, because I liked having it as, like, a collection. I looked at... For a long time, I looked at movies as almost, like, any other kind of collection, whether it's toys or whatever. But then I guess when I got more cost... Um, uh, not cost-effective, but my mind... You know, your mindset ch- mindset changes when you are done with college and you work at different jobs. It's like, okay, do I really need to spend... 20 bucks on a movie knowing I can rent it for three bucks, you know, later down the road if I need it. So I guess that's when I stopped buying like everything that came out. My um, mind was like that instantly. Um, A part of that was because I moved into a dorm and I didn't want tons of junk because my dorm was already the size of a a thumbtack. I guess I hate junk though. Like when I move, I don't want to have to haul. I don't want to have to pack up 5,000 DVDs. You know, you know what? You know where I can pack all my DVDs on my phone. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's eh. definitely more uh, convenient. But I guess I only have like my one and a half shelves. So, and like I said, I rarely buy anything now. But if I do, I don't think I've ever bought a movie digitally unless it's just not available on DVD or the DVD is like fifty bucks on eBay and I need it for an episode or something. Um, but well, speaking of speaking movies, of mo- oh, oh, was, oh my oh, god, oh my god! All right, page. I'll take the charge was, here. Um, yeah, take 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 the reins. So, speaking of movies, uh, our next topic also has to do with movies, um, and this was a topic that Mark brought to my attention. Um, and apparently, Rotten Tomatoes has changed its review process entirely due to the Captain Marvel backlash, which I don't even know what the Captain Marvel backlash is. So you're gonna have to fill me in. Uh, but I guess the public can't post reviews on the website before it releases. Um, what's, yeah. what's the Captain Marvel backlash? Yeah, I mean, like, critic reviews have always, you know, they have to go with the embargo. You know, they, they're they more um, uh, systemized, whatever. Um, but as far as user reviews, you used I guess you used to be able to post a user review whenever, um, regardless of when the movie came out. And because there's a lot of very ignorant um, and hateful Mm. and sexist people out there uh, who hate Captain Marvel just because it stars a woman. Um, 
which is the dumbest thing to get upset about, and I, I don't understand. Um, but yeah, so they were leaving all these horrible reviews on the movie just for that fact, and it was becoming, I think it went from, like, the score was like a 50% or something, and they just kept getting more and more, so then Rotten Tomatoes made it that, and I don't think it's going to fix the problem, really, because those people are just going to wait until the movie comes out. This is going to make it but worse. But they made it that. <laughs> That's what I was going to Yeah, say. they made it that you can't post a review until the movie is released. So pretty much when the critics can, I guess. Or even, Wait, so no, I think they, it's actually when the movie's released. But that, I don't think, will change because they'll just still bombard the system. So they're with, just review bombing you know, the movie? or What's that? They're just review bombing the movie before it... Because have people yeah. even seen screenings of it yet? I, I haven't even heard anything about it. I think there was a screening. Um, but that's what Rotten Tomato or um, IMDb did eventually because similar thing where a movie like weeks before it was out, you know, if it was, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. Like I think this happened, no, with, Go- I think this happened with Ghostbusters 2016 too um, or something yeah. similar to this, but nobody cared because that movie was yeah. actually not that great. Um but yeah, but IMDb I, used to do that, where you could rate, you could vote on a movie before the movie came out, and then they did the same thing because it would get like a one by the time it was released if, if it was a hated movie for whatever reason. So it makes sense that Rotten Tomatoes doing the same thing, but I don't think it's really gonna fix that problem. No, I don't it even won't. Think people go by user reviews anyways. Well, here here was what I was gonna say. If you're if you're listening, um, and you want to fix the problem. Uh, step one is just don't pay any attention to Rotten Tomatoes because their entire system is uh, just so flawed. You should not be getting your... Uh, if, you've, if you're thinking about seeing a movie and you're looking to Rotten Tomatoes uh, to decide whether to see it or not, in my opinion, you're kind of... You're just doing yourself and the movie a huge disservice. Um, so just don't look it's, to Rotten Tomatoes in place, the first place. Like, But it is a good place to find... Um, like, I agree because... A lot of people think that the rating is based on how people, uh, you know, what critics gave it, but it's not. It's yeah. a, it's a fresh, it's a positive or a negative. So if you give it a three point five out of five, it's a fresh. If you give it a five point five out of five, you know, perfect rating, it's still fresh. 5. So you could have a movie that's nine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you could have a movie that's a ninety nine percent certified fresh, but that could just mean that everyone who liked it just kind of liked it, but no one hated it. So. Yeah, but it is a good place to get the actual reviews, you know, like not the score, but if you go but down. But that's not how it, most people use know. it. 95% of people look at the number and that's it. Right. Um, that's my Metacritic's a lot better. But I, I just, their, their whole system is weird to me in that way because, yeah, everyone uses it, or not everyone, but many people use it that way. And I think they know that. And in that way, like, their whole system just is so flawed. Like, why do you have your system based that way where you give a percentage, but all of the reviews and what goes towards that percentage is based on a positive negative? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just like a movie could have a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. A movie could have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And everyone could have thought it was average. Like, if everybody walked yeah. out of it and was like, eh, that kind of sucked, but it wasn't horrible, and gave it a 60%, it could have a hundred percent, like yeah. It could get a D and D minus and be hundred percent on, on Rotten Tomatoes. On the on the flip side, you could have a movie that everyone thought, and I think this is the case with Glass actually, because and I won't no spoilers obviously, but I thought like 
75 to 80 percent of the movie was fantastic really well made in my opinion um it's the last like 20 minutes 15 whatever the last half is and you'll know when you see it it just is awful and insulting uh to all of your movie senses but if so if you walk out of it going you know it was really good up until that point but i can't quite get it to three or whatever you know then it then it it could be a five percent but it, and so it looks like the worst movie ever made, but it could just be that everyone thought it was slightly below average. So it works on that way too. Well, I think everyone was just too hard on glass. Um, like the fact that as a 37% is a, well, that's what I mean. So then anyone who didn't give it above a three or a 3.5 or whatever, it well, automatically what makes, classifies it as rotten. What so makes the movie the, rotten? Is yeah. it 3.5 or lower? I think it's, th- I think it's anything below three. So if you gave it a 2.9, or even maybe A3. I'd have to look at that. Maybe it's three on the dot. Okay. I think three gets it to fresh. But um, unlike Holmes and Watson where it's more deserved. So that's where Metacritic's a lot better because they take all the scores. And that's why the Marvel thing, Marvel movies will always have like, what, like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And on Metacritic, they're usually in like the 60s, 70s. You know, they're more, you know, realistic. That makes it a little better. I thought it was 50-50, so if people... Because I've never left a review on Rotten Tomatoes, but I thought if it was someone left a 2.6, it was still fresh. Like, I thought it I was three. below 50 is rotten, above 50 was fresh, but... Because I know on the show, they, they always joke, some, um, they'll say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it to fresh. I'll give it a three. So that's the only reason I know that is from watching the schmoes know, do their reviews. But yeah, I, I just, I've never thought Rotten Tomato. Like, I've never been like, I want to see this movie, let's check out Rotten Tomatoes. I try to just not look at reviews before I go to movies, because yeah, they've completely ruined movies for me in the past, where, like, I go into it thinking a certain thing, and then it's like well, a self-fulfilling a movie, prophecy, I'm gonna you know? see it. You know, there are some movies where I'll be on the fence, where I'll be like, I don't know if it's worth the ticket, I kind of want to see it, and then I'll read reviews. But if it's like, I don't know, and... most other movies or franchise movies, I'm going to either see it or I'm not going to see it, you know, unless it's gets rave reviews and everyone's saying it's the best thing ever. Um, Which I I mean, I guess that's kind of how it was for the haunting of Hill house where I had no interest in it, but then you were saying how great it was. And then red letter media did a real, a good review on it. And I thought, okay, like I'll check it out. And I'm glad I did, but I probably wouldn't have if I hadn't seen so many critics saying it was like an amazing a great pretty good show the i'm that way with marvel movies where like I, I there's never besides infinity war there hasn't been a marvel movie in the last like four years that i'm like i have to see it but if i hear great things about it i'll go see it if i hear yeah. meh i won't um like black panther yeah. it came out and everyone was like wow this is the greatest film of all time uh, every know, other yeah. marvel film is absolute dirt compared to this go see it so i went and saw it and i thought it was extremely mediocre uh it would rank like somewhere in the bottom like 40 percent of the marvel movies if i were to rank them um i was just kind of indifferent like i enjoyed yeah, it, was it a lot but i wasn't again i'm I'm kind of i'm not the best source because i'm not a huge comic book movie person i mean i'll see i see them all i mean i like spider-man a lot um the homecoming but yeah i'm kind of marvel fatigued out 
So I'm I don't, not, th- I don't know Marvel fatigued or superhero fatigued. I just thought that movie was really, really mediocre. Like, and it, to be fair, even the mediocre Marvel movies are still entertaining, you know. Um, right. But Infinity War There's was no bad Marvel movie. Infinity War was incredible. Like, it really was a great movie, and I'm still shocked they were able to take as much as they did and make it into a somewhat coherent movie, you know. But then you've got like Doctor Strange, which is just. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch is great, and the visuals were great, but the story, it was just like, eh, come on, we did this in 2007, you know? It was, yeah. it was like Iron that's Man the over one again that, in a lot of ways. That's one of the only ones where I didn't, I didn't think it was like a bad movie, but when I saw it, I was, in terms of like the narrative, I had and so many issues with it, and I was really surprised it was getting as much of a, like you said, the acting was great, and the music was pretty good, and the visuals were great, but... I had a lot of issues where I was like, really? This is, I don't know. I don't think um, that's a hot take, though. I think a lot of people agree with you. I think Doctor Strange is one of those movies that's looked at as like... I thought people loved it. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I know when people talk about Phase 3, Doctor Strange is usually looked at as the weakest of Phase mm. 3. I mean, look at Phase 3. It's stacked. You've got Homecoming. You've got Civil War. Um, yeah. I think Civil War kicked... Did Civil War kick it off? Or the Winter Soldier kick? I, I don't remember. I can't remember I will either. say I loved Ragnarok. I know it was a very split Ragnarok, movie. yeah. I found it... I understand... Like, I have a friend who hated it, but I totally understand why he hated it, because it was such a huge shift, and the comedy was... You know, it was a comedy. I wouldn't, It was more of a comedy than an action movie, I'd say, almost. Um, or, like, a comedy action. But I loved it, because I the humor was kind of right up my alley. But for him, it was too fourth wall breaking. It was too comical. You know, Jeff Goldblum, he didn't like that. But it's one of those weird instances where I don't agree with him, but I totally understand why he, like, hated it. You know, I just, I found it really fun. I don't know. I've had this weird, like, streak lately where every movie I've seen with someone... It's it's actually kind of crazy. There hasn't been a movie since the last movie that I went to see with someone that we agreed on, like even like base, like good, bad, was Halloween, which was like five months ago which, now. Wait, okay. No, not not uh, nineteen seventy eight. It hasn't been that long. Um, but then there was another Rob Zombies was also just called Halloween. Oh man, I would have been it? seeing that when I was like eight years old. I'd be scarred for life, man. I don't know when that that movie came out in like the mid two thousands, didn't it? No, that's true. I was in college. But but anyways, uh, um, it's been like four or five months since I've seen a movie and we've actually agreed like good, bad. Like, I, I don't know what it is lately. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being the contrarian. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I've, I've been having a, I don't know. I don't feel like, I haven't seen a really great movie in a while. Um, yeah, this last year was, I mean, it had last some really I had such movies, high but... expectations for. Ugh. Which one? Glass. I was so excited for oh, Glass. Yeah. I loved it up until the very end. And I kept... It's funny because you had said, um, you know, you you know when it happens. And right when the thing happens, I was like, okay, they're not going in this direction. And then uh, it just... It, I don't know what happened, but... It was one man. of the few movies where I... <laughs> Like, you know, just keeping it as ambiguous as possible. They they do something where you're like, they're not going to do that. That would be so stupid. And then they do something even worse. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, oh, my God. What? Oh, people, see it for yourself. Tweet us your thoughts. At least I'm just yeah, going to keep uh, promoting that. But it, but it is a, um, 
don't know. It, it's just uh, it, it's one of those things you can't even go into it without ruining it. No, I don't but, think it's well worth seeing. I feel like we're we're probably oh, anali- yeah, alienating the theme park crowd right now. Um, oh, probably. Yeah, let's uh, jump to a. We do we do have more theme park topics. I, I we we I. I don't know how we 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 ended up having our two non theme park topics back to back here, but um, our next topic is uh, something we're gonna try to start doing. Uh, Mark put out an episode this week of uh, Yesterworld um, on Peter Pan, and Mark, I think it's safe to say, put a fair bit of work into uh, that episode. A um, tad, just a, a little. Tad. Um, so we're gonna try to do something each week that's actually tied to what our uh, most recent video is. Um, so this week we're going to talk about the dark rides at Disneyland. This is actually a really good topic. I'm excited to talk about this uh, and just discuss whether we think they're untouchable. As in, like, you know, the the public outrage would be enough that uh, they're never going anywhere because Walt obviously was very involved with those rides. Um, right. And I mean, I'll let you take the lead here since this was your topic. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it's, it's an interesting thing because you look at um, Magic Kingdom's uh, dark rides, and those are far from untouchable. They had a, an original absolutely terrifying Snow White ride, and then they changed it to a still pretty terrifying Snow White ride, and then they got rid of it. Um, you know, Mr. Toad, people love Mr. Toad, and they got rid of it. So I feel like I can't see, like, Small World or Peter Pan going away but those are really the only original dark rides in Magic Kingdom that are left. And they're pretty much, I, and that's, I didn't talk too much about the changes in Magic Kingdom's version because there really haven't been any other than some updated effects in the queue. Um, that's it as far as changes to Peter Pan and Small World, I think, saw a few of the updates. I could be wrong. I, haven't, I don't, <laughs> it's not one of my favorite attractions, um, but that one I'm not as sure about. But with Disneyland, Aside from the 1983 New Fantasyland update, which I think pretty much everyone and their mothers can agree that it was for the best because the original versions, even though they tried to update a few aspects of them in like the 60s, they were not like Walt's initial vision because there were just a lot of budget and time constraints and they didn't have the time or the money to really bring them to or the technology even back then. Um, so I think pretty much everyone was fine with the 1983 updates. Um, and most people can't even probably, you know, it's, photos of the originals are so rare anyways. But um, as far as the Fantasyland there rides, I guess the Fantasyland rides as a whole there now, I feel like they kind of are untouchable that there's no way you could get rid of the original Snow White without there being a huge, huge, like I would say riot, but not a little riot, but like people just going bonkers over it or Peter Pan um, or Mr. Toad because Walt was so, even though the 1983 versions obviously were made after he passed away, the rides themselves and the stories of the rides, um, I feel like they're almost just untouchable in terms of Disneyland. And I feel like they won't ever go away. Um, Pinocchio, I could, that's the only one I could kind of see because you know, that wasn't an original attraction. Um, it was supposed to be. It was going to be this Pinocchio Village area that had, I think, a carnival ride or two. So a few rides in there, but nothing, you know, it wasn't what it is today. 
But that's the only one I could kind of see them if they were going to get rid of a dark ride in Fantasyland. That's like the only one I could see them doing, because everything else is just so tied to him. It'd be like getting rid of Pirates of the Caribbean in terms of his involvement, um, um, or not his involvement, but in terms of how he's associated, I guess, with the, those those really original rides. Um, but then you have things like Rocket to the Moon, where he was very involved and passionate about that one and that went away but for some reason and that's why i wanted to bring it up in my mind it seems like yeah they got rid of rocket to the moon or uh, mission to mars whichever the versions they were called and a few other rides he was super attached to and super involved with but for some reason i just see Fantasyland as like the disneyland version as almost untouchable aside from updates which they did in 2015 or whatever um, I could be wrong, but I just I felt I got that feeling as I was doing all the research of the Fantasyland Dark Rides. Originals. I mean, I don't think they're going anywhere because there's literally no reason for them to. Uh, it's not like true. I mean, it's it, it. What benefit is there to Disney to just get rid of Mr. Toad? That doesn't give them like a huge plot of land to build something grand and new, and it's they're all still reasonably popular. Like the only way. You know, Disney would... Because Fantasyland is pretty small. Uh, yeah. It's not it's huge. Tiny. So the only way that Disney's going to get, like, a huge benefit for something they really want to do is by just demolishing all of Fantasyland. And that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but you also look at the reason why... Or not the reason, but Snow White was, you know, in Magic Kingdom. It was demolished. and Or not demolished, but it was removed. And now it's just a princess meet and greet. So you could look at that and say, like, really? You couldn't put that anywhere else i know it also had to do with them not wanting to have two attractions based on the same movie story back to back um but yeah i could not see them getting rid of it like any of the Fantasyland dark rides in disneyland for a meet and greet that would just i just can't see it I, isn't you know, there i, I could like be Magic wrong but that way. right next to Fantasyland, there is that there is like a princess meet and greet thing or like a princess show built. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I walked by it like ten times. It was like a theater. Um, I wonder what was there before. But um, I just I, I don't think there's any benefit to Disney to do that. Like Fantasyland and Disneyland, really, it's the one part of the park that really has like a. I, I don't say it's the only part of the park, but it's definitely the park that feels that way the most. Where just the way it's laid out feels so like outdated in a good way like it just feels like mm-hmm. it feels like you're still in like an old park i felt like that this summer where it's like it's so small and cramped it's just like i i don't see any benefit to them taking it out which is because funny because it was even more cramped because that's one of the, one of the reasons they did the 1983 update was to expand or not really expand but you know just it, it was really even more well to be fair a lot of, a lot of disneyland feels that way you know like yeah i i when i was at disneyland this summer because um, I've been to Disneyland twice, but the first time I was very sick while I was there, so I didn't really get to experience it, but um, at least the way I wanted to. You know, but Walt Disney World, all the parks, there's plenty of space, you know? Like, you never... Yeah, and you, they had that in mind. And then I go to Disneyland, and it's just mistake. like, it's just like, oh my gosh, this, we're walking down this little alley. Like, it, it just, it's 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 crazy different um but fantasy land i i just don't see disney having any reason to ever do anything to fantasy land because the way i see it like the only way they're going to get enough space to really put in a disney attraction of today 
is by demolishing several ri- several rides at once. Yeah. Like let's just wipe out Mr. Toad, Snow White, and Pinocchio all at once. Like that would yeah. why would they do that? They're all reasonably popular, are they not? Like those yeah. rides are always filled up. Yeah, the only because with Magic Kingdom they were able to I guess justify it because they were able to expand um Fantasyland or at least the you know, they got rid of even though 20,000 Leagues was technically part of Fantasyland, they expanded the like the fairy tale aspect, I guess I'll put it that way. Whereas with Disneyland, you couldn't really do that because then you have it's a small world down the road, and then you have Matterhorn on your right, and then you have Toontown. That's the only land, I think, and I think we mentioned this. I can't remember if it was on or off the podcast, but that Toontown is, like, the only land I could really see going away in the near future because I feel like it's just a – I mean, I, I could see that happening more than any yeah, of the other ones. That's what I was going to mention. Like, when, when Disney wants to do something big again – um, which, let's be real, we'll probably know about it within two years of Galaxy's Edge opening, uh, Toontown's right. going to be the next to go. Like, when you're walking around Disney, and the people are not going to like this, but, you know, when you're walking around Disneyland, it's like, you know, Disneyland is just every inch is prime real estate, you know? Yeah. And Toontown is the place where you feel like, this can go. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of really, really fond memories of Toontown. Yeah, like I but, do too. I love but Disneyland has got yeah. 5 million IPs they want to fit into these parks, you know? Yeah. And a lot, I'm sorry, but they have a lot of IPs that are more popular than uh, Roger Rabbit Gadget. and uh, Gadgets Go Coaster and Clarabelle, Car- whatever the cow's name is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love that. I would be like devastated because I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the movie, and I love the attraction. Um, as far as the rest of the land, I mean, obviously it doesn't bother me because it's not for me. I mean, I can't go. I can't go into Goofy's bounce house or anything. It's very kid. What? Very um, every time. Very. Uh, I know. I don't think I never miss. I, I, I rope um, drop Goofy's bounce house. Who doesn't? Um, I don't even think I ever. Roger Rabbit could anyway, be saved, so, though, couldn't so it? So Roger Rabbit's the only one that I would be devastated about, but I totally understand. But I have a lot of nostalgic memories about the rest of the um, land. It has gone downhill over the years. I have a lot I have a lot of fond memories of Toontown. But aside from Roger Rabbit, as an adult, that would be the only thing I would, like, sorely miss. Um, but don't you Toontown. think Roger Rabbit could be saved? Toontown. I love the idea. Like, why would Roger Rabbit wouldn't necessarily have to go, you know? Like, it's not, it's, A, it's way on the outer edge. Like, it's completely, way, way on the edge. And unless Disney wants to make it, like, um, like a themed land, if they just want to make it, not a themed land, but, like, a single IP land, um, I don't see why Roger Rabbit would have to go. They could just make it wacky land and open up a bunch of rides over there, because I really think Toontown's days are... Like very numbered, numbered. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially if it wasn't in a park like, like a, Disneyland, maybe not. But yeah, I could see them if the uh, forget the name of the ride, but whatever the Mickey Mouse ride that's replacing Great Movie Ride. I could see if that goes really, really, really well. That Toontown could almost become. I forget. I'm really bad about like the shows, the Disney shows today. But that style of a Toontown, but only like with Mickey Mouse, like you'd still keep Mickey and Minnie in her house and all them, but you would update it to 
the way the cartoon universe of Disney is now, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know what the characters and everything, but redesign it as like a more modern interpretation of what Mickey's land would look like or, you know, Minnie's house would look like. Well, I just think Disney's probably wants more. You know, I could be wrong. And, you know, also keep in mind, like, I, I don't have any kids and I'm far from even thinking about that. So I don't have like that. When I go to the parks, I don't like have like that um, draw of like having a kid. So I, I don't know. Maybe kids love going to like Mickey's house and stuff. But I they even do. think to, I think when I was a kid, it, I had no I interest think, yeah. in that. You know, like I, I wanted to go on the rides. And I think Disney probably knows that like if they don't have Minnie's house, but you can still meet Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse forever, but they open up a ride in that area, that's going to bring in way more people, you know? Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because, like, as a kid, I, I hated doing the uh, meet and greet because I was terrified of mascots. But I loved going through Mickey's house and Minnie's house and seeing the, like, Imagineer's interpretation of what Mickey's house would look like, what his oven would look mm-hmm. like, what his living room would look like. Personally, I loved that and still love walking through there. So I'm probably the not the demographic um, that you're referring to. But I could see them keeping that but just updating it to maybe the modern interpretation of the... Um, well, you know, the a lot of times cartoons. I'm not thinking... Like, when I'm talking here, I'm not thinking from, like, a like a, like a fan's perspective, right? I'm, I'm trying to think, like, through, like, a Disney exec's perspective, you know? Right. And what they're thinking. And they're not thinking, like... I'm sure tons of kids love it, right? But I don't yeah. think... I'm sure a Disney exec is like, okay, how many people is Gadget's Go Coaster bringing into the park probably none right a lot of people are going on the coaster but people aren't traveling across the country to go on gadgets go coaster sorry it's not they're just not you they know would just ha- they would that's why i feel like the the attractions i know attractions can be used kind of interchangeably but like in terms of the house walk through gadget goes coaster that would have to stay in terms of what it is because kids love and i think that's the only coaster in disneyland that's like a kid coaster you know it's like a coaster that if you're a kid and you're not tall enough or you're not brave enough to do the you know real roller coasters that it's fun to go on a little mini coaster that feels 10 times bigger than it really is so i feel like they would have to keep the attractions but they could retheme everything i guess is what i'm trying to say like a maybe i just don't i don't see toontown staying in any fashion i guess i i really don't i just like, I, I just, in my opinion, unless, like, unless they just, like, I mean, they can repaint it, but that only does so much. I, I don't see them putting the money into just completely rebuilding Toontown, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah. uh, definitely all the buildings, if they're going to do that, they need to completely redo them. Because right everything about them is very dated, you know? Um, and I just don't see them putting the money in to do that. I mean, maybe they will, and I could be wrong, and they just keep the coaster and retheme that, but then build, like, a new Mickey and Minnie house and, uh, you know, tear down the little, like, village square. That's the part that looks super dated to me because it's just so, man, it, just, it looks like, we talked about this, but it just looks like one of those, like, play sets that kids would have, right. and they'd leave them out in the sun for, since, like, 1996, and they used to be red and yellow, and now they're, like, white and pink. Like, that's what that whole area looked like. And that's not how Disneyland should look, in my opinion. Like, it should look, yeah. you know, fresh and magical, not like a depressing, uh, abandoned 90s playground. 
Um, well, that's where it's hard with the with the sun and also with the fact that it is such a vibrantly colored and themed area. I imagine that, and I think I literally, I think we had the same conversation a while ago, but that's why a lot of the lands are. I, for, not I forget what we said on colored. podcast and not on podcast. That's the that's the problem. Yeah. I can't remember when this conversation was had, but I, I, that whole area is just so like it's non shaded. Like you're kind of just like that whole area, like that village square is just so out in the sun. You're getting beat down. That that in, in itself yeah. is kind of problematic um, for the upkeep. I, I actually personally, I think we kind of disagree here. I, I don't see it staying around at all. I see it becoming, within the next five years, I thing. see it becoming something completely different. Like, bye-bye Toontown, hello Avengers Tower. I, I mean, I don't know what they're I guess what do. I mean is, I, well, that, yeah, I guess I see it going away, but retaining a kid coaster of some, or, okay, a, a, a ride that a kid could go on, whether it's a bumper cars or something, just... Well, I could see again, the kid I feel coaster like Disney staying. Wants to, yeah, because I mean, what's I mean, they more, have one in every park. What's easier to retheme than a coaster? Like, yeah. I mean, you can make it anything. Like, if they if they, if that becomes, you know, I uh, yeah, uh, it Asgard. is prime real estate though. But I I could see them redoing that entire area, and luckily they could leave Roger Rabbit um, alone. They but probably I don't know. could. I, yeah, I could. As much as I love the ride, I don't know why, but I almost could see that one going away not in the near future but eventually just because um i don't know, I feel like you know they're with the way they're going maybe less and less people unless you're like my age or adults would even know who roger rabbit is so i could see them at some point justifying it but it also is a it's constantly popular so i don't think it would you know well i just something like that i just think like i mean it if if they were to make that land like something completely different and I would love to see Roger Rabbit stay because I think that ride is yeah, really nice. I love the movie. But if they were to make that a new land, they probably you know how like when you're walking into Toontown, there's kind of like a whole bunch of wasted space where you're walking up to it, where it's just like you're walking mm-hmm. up this path. I could see them extending the land way out, and then Roger Rabbit would have to go. You know, if they mm-hmm. keep like the if they keep like the what's the land and what's the path up to the land the same then I suppose Roger Rabbit could kind of just stay off in this little section and maybe the other half of that building is like a... Is it a store now? I, I don't know what it is, but um, they could keep that as something different and then, you know, you could have... They make it into Asgard or whatever and you've got uh, yeah. Thor's uh, lightning coaster or whatever. Uh, I hope that beca- I hope that comes true, but... I, I, I suppose Thor, Roger... Thor's, Disney seems Thor's pretty... Bridge. Yeah, there you go. That's even better. That's way better. But I, uh, Disney seems to be, uh, with stuff like that, they just seem to be kind of all or nothing. Like, mm, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see it stick. I, it just it doesn't fit in with what Disney's been doing lately, which kind of actually really, we're all almost already talking about this. Our, our next topic is, um, well, the main part really isn't, but the second part definitely is, uh, you know, is would Walt be happy with how the parks, or the direction the parks are moving into today? And also, is Marvel and Star Wars really, you know, what Walt would have wanted in the parks? Um, which we were just talking about Marvel coming to the parks. And we were talking about the future of the parks because, you know, when we're talking about what Disney's going to do with an area or what they're going to do with something, the first thing to come to mind is Star Wars and Marvel, you know? Because right. Disney's playing catch up with. That's really what's happening here, is Bob Iger is. You know, he's like a 
a, a shark vacuum sucking up every single IP he can possibly come across. Uh, he's like a you remember those like old infomercials for ShamWow? Um, yeah. And they could just hold like like fifty gallons of water. Like you could just throw yep. one in like a flooded room and it'd soak it all up. That's Bob Iger. Like he's just soaking up every IP, and you can't believe he can fit all these IPs in. And Disney wants to get these in the parks as fast as possible. I mean, I'll actually get your opinion on this first, but how do you feel about Marvel and Star Wars? I feel like I know how you feel about Star Wars, but Marvel more so. Well, it's like I always, like as much as I love Star Wars, I do kind of go back and forth sometimes because sometimes I do think, I mean, of course I would love to see more original attractions and lands, but I know I know that's not... I guess I'm in this point where I know it's pretty much inevitable that it's going to become more and more attractions are going to be, you know, like Marvel or Star Wars or another IP. Um, as far as like would Walt, because I always think that's an interesting question, like would Walt be happy with the way it's going? And I always think that's kind of a yes and no question because on the one hand, you know, he he always said, and I'm, I'll have to actually find the actual quote because people always say it, that he said, you know, Disneyland would never be, like, finished. It would always change. It would always evolve. So in that aspect, I don't think he would – and, again, I'm, it's not like I um, can speak for him, but I feel like he would be fine with, like, changes and things in the parks. The problem is I wonder – I think he would be more about is this innovative? Is this pushing technology forward? Is this pushing – you know, because he was always about – pushing things forward you know with the tiki room he was like oh i want to um create audio animatronics and um so he's always about innovation i guess that's the best way to phrase it and so i think maybe he would be okay with marvel and star wars and all that if and this is a big if it was like pushing technology forward or pushing a narrative with an attraction forward or just pushing you know, um, the envelope of what a Disney ride could be. And, like, that's the only... And I don't know if he would literally be okay with Star Wars and all that. I mean, because that was Eisner's era. Because he could... I don't know if it could have survived if he had just only kept it, all the attractions based on Disney-owned, you know, product or Disney films, Disney live-action films. I don't think Disneyland would have survived if Eisner hadn't brought in Star Wars and Indiana Jones and allowed them to expand beyond just movies that they were, you know, their animated film library. Um, so it's not as much that. It's more of just if it becomes just kind of, oh, we'll just retheme this because it's popular. That's where I feel like he wouldn't, you know, like um, I haven't written it, but I've heard that the Tower of Terror, the Marvel collector's version um in uh, California Adventure is actually really cool and it's actually really clever and unique. And so I feel like he would, you know, you'd be okay with that more because, yeah, I love Tower of Terror and the theming of the original um, version. But one, we have it still here in Orlando. But also, you know, it seems like they were kind of pushing what kind of narrative you could have in a ride like that. So I feel like it, it, it comes more it has to do with like innovation than anything else as to, you know, would Walt be happy or wouldn't he be happy? Because, um, and I don't know, who knows? Maybe he would have started bringing in new IPs. You know, it's impossible to guess. I mean, I think so Disney yes would have survived. No answer, you know? I, I think Disney totally would have survived. I mean, they it would have been a rough 
mid 80s through the late 80s but i mean assuming the renaissance still happened disney would have been back on top by the mid 90s again you know i guess that's what i mean like if you didn't have if you had the eisner renaissance but then just not the like bringing in separate ips then yeah i agree it could definitely have but i guess i'm i'm putting them in the same package because you know that was part of the renaissance but yeah had the the actual disney renaissance continued then yeah for sure but i don't know if you would have i mean you pull out non-disney stuff you know you pull out non-disney stuff prior to the last 10 years i mean what is what do you have you have tower of terror indiana jones and star wars you know I, i guess aerosmith but that's kind of a stretch to really call that a uh an ip that's bringing in the crowds um but i mean i i just i don't mind it i guess i really hate the thought of you know i really hate the thought of just retheming rides to right, what's on whatever's popular you know like rock and roller coasters becoming iron man in paris uh the tower of terror's guardians of the galaxy and i i heavily i really do think that a tower of terror in uh hollywood studios will also become guardians of the galaxy you know assuming they can use that which i mean i maybe won't become guardians of the galaxy because they're already doing the coaster in epcot um but it'll become something marvel or something like this yeah the marvel movies are just a weird they're 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 a weird place for me because it's like i i really do think those rides will feel dated shortly because yeah. Mar- because the MCU is an ongoing franchise. So they're going to feel dated. Like, like imagine if they had themed a ride around Iron Man 1, right? It would feel right. so dated by now. It'd be like, because you're seeing this character, you know, grow with you and change and age and all these different things. The, those rides have like a short time span. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is going to feel dated. Like, you know... You know, who, we don't really know what, you know, Volume 3 is kind of in limbo right now. But when those characters right. get retired or the Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy change, you know, uh, say yeah. one of them dies or maybe they swap all of them out other than Groot and uh, um, I almost called him Roger Rabbit. Um, yeah. uh, Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. It's going to feel, I think it's going to feel dated. Like, yeah, because it's not like something like Indiana Jones where it's a timeless classic in terms of the film itself. Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, is so recent, and the fact that it is ongoing, and the fact that you know the the Marvel franchise as we know it right now is, I think it's ending fairly. I mean, it could be wrong, but like the original characters, I feel like, and I don't mean like fairly soon as in like in the next few years, but just let's say ten years. I feel like they'll be with a new cast and a new direction and a new style, and then yeah, so then the Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't think it'll hold the same. Um, draw, you know, it, it won't. I don't think they'll age as well, nearly as well. And I think that's the problem where it becomes when you're just putting overlays of whatever's popular now versus focusing on an attraction that's like timeless. Like you look at, um, I think it's Tokyo Disneyland where they're doing a Beauty and the Beast attraction, and I would love to see more like that because it's already a timeless classic. People love the movie. I mean. So I feel like that is more of a safe bet in terms of it aging really well. 
because it's already aged aged well. The movie's amazing and everyone loves it. And versus like, you know, if they made a Captain Marvel ride or a Captain America ride, unless it was just more generic. But then that's the weird thing too, because it doesn't really feel Disney to me. But I'm sure that's what people said about Star Wars when that first was brought in, that it didn't feel like Disney. Well, I think but. it's just that it's an ongoing franchise is what is what really messes it up. And and I, I don't want to say that all the Marvel movies blend together because it, it's, like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is an infinitely better movie than Thor The Dark World, right? But yeah. to a lot of casuals, and honestly, including myself, because I would consider myself a casual Marvel fan, those movies just kind of blend together and you forget what happened. And yeah. Especially now that, you know, especially now that every movie has become... Not every movie, but a lot of movies have just become like Civil War was Avengers two point five pretty much. You know, like all you yeah. know, all these characters in this movie, all these characters in this movie. The movie itself almost just becomes one piece of the puzzle, and it's not really its own movie anymore. Um, but that's why I liked um, Age, uh, not Age of Ultron, Civil um, War. Civil War. No wait, uh, there's too many. Uh, what's the last one that just came out? Infinity War. End of War. Infinity War. That's why I really liked that one because for once we had a very strong, compelling villain who I was more interested in his arc than I think anyone it's good else's. for the movies. I'm yeah. just saying it makes it sticky for a ride that is set around yeah. like a certain time, you know? So you make yeah. a movie about, you know, like, like seriously, like think if they had made a movie about Thor when Thor, or a ride about Thor when Thor 2 came out, when he had the long hair. Uh, and Loki and him were uh, had a completely different relationship, and it was all about uh, Thor. He's a different yeah. character, and it, it, that movie only came out like five years ago. That ride would feel so weird. But that's also the problem with that is that, excuse me, um, because the Tower of Terror, again, I haven't written it, but from what I understand, the Tower of Terror, that's not even that. What is it called? Like um, The... Uh, uh, Operation Breakout, I think. Mission Breakout. There we go. Yeah. Um, since a lot of it is pretty much all screen-based as far as the actual attraction, other than, like, the animatronics and the queue, it would be easy in that case. And that's why I think, you know, screens are the safer bet for, like, di- I'm not saying I like them, but I'm saying I feel like they look at it as, oh, screens are a safer bet because those can be updated. Those can be changed. You Even something like Forbidden Journey you know, and if the cast were to ever be changed or they were to remake it, all of the practical stuff could stay. Um, and then they would just have to swap out the films that show the characters. So I feel like that's why something like a mission breakout is safer because I guess they could just update the screens. It with, is, but that's know. what we don't, I think that's what we both really don't love about it. You know? Right. Cause it's lazy. You know, like, it's, like that's it's not re- committing. I think that's probably the reason you know that's the reason they made you know rockets in the pre-show and stuff like the cgi characters probably the ones that aren't going to go so when they want to update it he's a raccoon you know he's you know maybe they kill off drax or chris pratt retires on a planet with uh gamora or whatever right and they replace them they can just replace them in the show too i don't really like that i I don't like the thought of just making an attraction temporary but you, you, we're seeing this happen, like I, I, in Hong Kong, I think it is. They're replacing Buzz Lightyear with Ant Man and the Wasp, which is like, oh really? Yeah, huh. they're replacing Buzz Lightyear with like some Ant Man and the Wasp shooter, and it's just, I, I don't, I don't, I, I will say I am not someone who's like, 
super anti anything like i if, if they want to change something go ahead there's not really much there aren't really many rides where if they changed it i would be up in arms like do what you right. want i i'm just saying personally i think i don't know i i think they probably know that though and that's why they're making the rides easy to update like yeah because of that and I, that's actually i think that's more what i don't like than just marvel in general right the fact that these rides are becoming like they're building them that's what i don't like that that is actually specifically what i don't like that we're gonna start seeing rides built with the intention of them becoming something else right which was not really something that happened before right and that's why actually i know a lot of people hate it but that's one one reason why i actually really do enjoy um frozen ever after because it's not just all screens it's actual animatronics. And I know they put more into that one because they knew how much people loved Maelstrom. But I like the fact that it's pretty much all practical. St- I mean, you know, there's projected screens on their fa- uh, facial. Uh, their faces are projected, but they're actual animatronics. And so I like that they actually took the time to do that. I would have been upset if the entire ride was just like going from screen to screen. I know there are screens in it, but it wasn't reliant on that. But that's my problem with screen-based rides is that it's it's an easy it's too easy and it's late. I feel like a lot of the times it's lazy unless it's like a forbidden journey where it's a great combination of practical effects and screens. But it's the easy answer where it's like, oh, who knows if it'll be popular? Oh, we'll just do a screen and we can update that. And so there's less of a commitment to it, you know. And so I feel like that. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not a fan of that well, direction well also with frozen it was one of those movies that was so big within two weeks of it coming out you knew frozen wouldn't be dated 10 years from now it's the same reason that like like ratatouille coming to epcot is a i could not be more on board with that like that right. is a ride yeah, that is an ip that when i'm 40 that's not going to feel dated like right. that movie's great and it's already stood the test of time and there's certain movies like Frozen that were just such... It's such a strong movie, plus the fact that it was a uh, landmark, that right. it's going to be the same way. Like, it was so successful, you don't even need that passage of time to see that it's going to be there forever. Versus a movie like, you know, Princess and the Frog, right? I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but it hasn't stayed with people the way Frozen has. Right. Same with Tangled, which I actually think Tangled is better than Frozen. That's just my opinion. It hasn't stuck with people the way Frozen have. Like, you need that combination of being an insane box office success and just being in your face to the point of annoyance, which sounds like a bad thing, but it's not. And then it also being a strong movie for it to stick around. Like, you have movies like, like, like say, Despicable Me, right? It it had Mm. one of those things. It had had the part where it was... uh, it had the it had the side of it where it was a huge box office success and all you had in your face were minions for like two years, but Despicable yeah. Me wasn't an incredible movie like Frozen was. It was a fun movie, um, yeah. But when I'm forty, I I don't I don't know I don't know if Despicable Me is uh, still going to be looked back upon as uh, right. a fantastic movie. Like you need two of those boxes you, checked at least. Do you think? Um, and there, again, no way to tell. But if Frozen didn't have let it go which was like the most iconic or not iconic the most popular song it was everywhere i mean it was just it was the meme i mean it was just a meme yeah. maker's dream 
Um, do you think the film would have been nearly as no. big or iconic if it didn't have that song? I don't think as big. Um, I, I, Disney really tried to do the same thing with uh, Moana. Um, mm. With that, uh, I actually like Moana more than Frozen. Moana was personally. good, but they really tried to push. What is it? What was it? You're welcome. That song. They really mm, tried to yep. push that song and make it the next Let It Go, and it didn't happen. And Moana was a great movie too, but they didn't have that. That's what you you need like that. Like you know, meme culture makes yeah. movies stick around, which is a weird thing, but it, it's true. Uh, it's like yeah, because if you were, if you were to do the game where you say first thing that comes to your mind when I say, you know, fruit, apple, and then frozen, let it go. So it's like it's so tied to it that that's one of the things you you know. But it also put that movie into people's faces that otherwise would have never seen anything to right. do with it or know what it was radio and, um, and also it's like it's like this is a weird uh, comparison but yeah it's a great song too um, very well composed. sure sure not my type but like airpods right apple airpods <laughs> i'm not they, jamming with it on the radio but i can i appreciate it as like a disney that's not, song no no that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying i'm walking down the street with my airpods listening to let it go what i'm saying is airpods came out two years ago right and in the and you never saw people with AirPods. At least I didn't. No matter where I was, I never saw people with AirPods. In the last like six, seven months, AirPods kind of become like a meme. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they very much become mm, a meme happened. where there's all these memes about AirPods. And I, I knew nothing about AirPods until these memes started coming around. And all of a sudden, you just start seeing everybody with AirPods. And th- this is something that I actually truly believe. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But I really think Apple, like, pushed that because AirPods were not, like, the the massive success I think they were hoping for at first. And they've become mm-hmm. that. And I really do think a big part of it is just how much of, like, of a meme they've become lately. And then everybody's like, oh, I want AirPods now. Like, I guess maybe you're not into that as much, so you didn't see those. But I mean, I am. Cause, well, in a, I mean, not, I'm not AirPods, memes. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm addicted to, like, Imgur or Im- Imager, however you... Say I say Imgur, but and I have know. and I have seen quite a few memes. I guess I didn't really pay attention because I haven't seen it often. But I will say I have noticed recently seeing more. I know I saw one the other day that was pretty um, funny. I mean, I'd always wanted them from the beginning, but I couldn't justify the price, and then I only got them because it was a Christmas present um, for me personally, and I really like them. But I have noticed I I seeing more people like at the mall or whatever wearing them than used to and like my girlfriend for um her birthday wanted to get them and they were sold out of like every store we went to um just need some uh, birthday money that she got but every store was like sold out and that never would have been the case like a few months ago they had so many of them no yeah i I didn't with them i this is gonna make people think i live under a rock but i didn't know airpods existed uh, until I started saw, seeing all these AirPod memes, right? And then I look them up, I'm like, oh, these look awesome. I, I want some. And then I went and bought a pair of AirPods. But I didn't even know they were a thing. And then I looked them up and it's like, what, these have been out for two years? Like, I, I'd never even yeah. heard of them. I, I don't know if and they the just got overshadowed by something down. or, or price what. price is exactly the same. But I, I actually think, not to get into conspiracy theory territory, but I think a lot of companies are well aware of what yeah. like a viral meme can do. It can do so oh, yeah. much more than a trailer because then all these well, like people just, that otherwise would have never even been exposed to it now have it yeah. in their face every day, day in, day out. Like I just noticed I went to 
Disney Springs last week, and the I'm not sure how long it's been open, but the Disney store, the main Disney store, had been closed for a while. Um, first of all, the remodeling is incredible. Um, the I don't know if you've been there, but for a long time, it was just very claustrophobic and very narrow and to get to one section you had to like it was almost like a maze it was really bizarre um but now it's very open-ended and it's very i always like using the word fresh like it just feels fresher and it's the way they went with the design i really like i guess it felt a little dated before the color scheme but now it seems very fresh and modern but anyways i was walking through the like the t-shirt area and they had a huge section of just Shirts that they're not memes, but you know what I mean? Where it's the things like, don't talk to me. I haven't had my churro yet or something like that. Oh, not sure. memes, yeah. but what do you call those? Where they're, they're clever puns or they're. Um, well, they're the kind of, you know, there's probably a word for it, but like they're the kind of shirts that up until a few years ago, the only place you could buy a shirt like that is like from someone on Etsy. And they right, sold a ton I mean. because that's what people yeah. actually want. And Disney, and not just Disney, but companies are catching on to that now. And right. they're getting that slice of the pie for themselves. I don't know what, like the ever, word, like, but... I was shocked to see how many there were. There were, And there were... I just couldn't... I was like, whoa, there's at least like 30 or 40 of them. Versus before you'd see one or two maybe, you know, puns about turkey legs or, you know... Like the one I always saw forever was the I'm so fly or um, like I'm so fly I never land like that one I saw for years. But then that style of shirt design and humor, there's so many of them. So, yeah, they're definitely embracing that part of culture where it's almost like almost like they're they're making fun of themselves a bit. You know, and that's what I, I don't think We're that's it. I think of, it's but. just they, they they see that that's what sells now. So the only the only issue is. Uh, when it comes to like these, uh, when it comes to things like that, they're so fleeting that you'll see these mm. shirts that by the time they're released, they're so terribly outdated. You just your eyes roll so far in the back of your head. It's just like, but they don't care because people will buy them just to wear for like a month when it's in, you know, or popular or the jokes popular. Sure, it's popular, but but they're de- yeah, they're definitely embracing, and they're even embracing more of the nostalgic t-shirts referencing other attractions i've noticed recently oh yeah for sure i i just i mean why wouldn't they 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 see that sells and they don't want the people on etsy making all of their money um yeah so they do it themselves which which makes sense and uh i i actually think that's a good thing at least for me because i I don't know nostalgia someone tweet before i forget someone tweet at me or quinn or both of us What's the name of that kind of, is that like a, you know, I say it's kind of like a meme slash pun shirt, but there's got to be a name for that. Like, you know, you say Etsy and I get what you mean, but there's got to be, if anyone knows the actual name for that style of shirt, let me know because I'm I'm very curious now. It's like, I I don't know, but when, when it comes to like the, what you said about like embracing old attractions and stuff, I think a big part of that and why they hadn't done it before is because like, the demographic for parks has, like, drastically changed in, like, the last yeah. 10 years. So, all of a sudden, you have all these, like, 20-year-olds and 20- and 30-year-olds that are at Disney by themselves, you know, not, like, without right. kids. When I say by themselves, I mean without kids. Um, versus you didn't have that nearly as much before, so they were appealing to the kids at the time. And now they've got this whole other demographic to appeal to. So, they want to appeal to that, you know, that 21-year-old that grew up with Stitch. 
They want to appeal to that 21-year-old that uh, watched Home on the Range when it came out. Um, I, I don't know if they're appealing to Home on the Range fans, but you, you, get, you, you get my point. All, all three of them. All three of no, them, I, yeah. I got, I got in trouble. I got in trouble for um, dissing that one on one of my episodes. Uh, I'm not a fan of it or wasn't a fan of it, but oh I understand gosh. pretty much any movie. I understand how you can be a fan of, you know, it depends on your background and what you like, what you dislike. I didn't find it that great, but people who liked it, I have no problem with that. Well, I only recently realized that the movies that came out when I was a kid are looked at as, like, terrible. Like, Chicken Little, Home on the Range, uh, like, the DreamWorks ones, like Shark Tale, and all those movies. Everyone looks at those like they're the worst, and I'm like, man, that's all I watched as a kid. Like, how are you going to be dissing Shark Tale? And we've we've talked about the whole you know nostalgia goggles versus what you remember loving as a kid, and then sometimes having a hard time. You know, like I was going through for the Peter Pan video, I was going through Hook, the movie Hook, and it's one of my favorite Spielberg movies. But I know a lot of people didn't like it. But I never know if it's like my my nostalgia goggles or what. But I think it's a very well made movie. But um, you know, what's one yeah, Disney movie that. You. That baffles me that people don't like. Bolt. No. Bolt. I remember. I like Bolt. Bolt is so good. Like I can see I Chicken Little. Really like it. I, I don't, I've heard a lot of people saying Bolt was like not that great. I mean, I loved mm. Cars as a kid, and everyone is like Cars is the worst Pixar movie, and I'm like, uh, I loved the first Cars, and then yeah. I mean, wait, there's more than one Cars. Yeah, two, three. Oh, I was just being, I was like being like that I couldn't tell if you were being sarcastic. Right? That, like when you oh, say yeah, they, the fourth Indiana Jones movie and they're like, there was oh, yeah. a fourth Indiana Jones movie? But I've heard a lot of people say Bolt isn't very good. Like I can see, like Home on the Range, I will never rewatch that movie because I know I'll hate it. Chicken Little, I saw it recently, wasn't that bad. Um, Shark Tale, I'm not rewatching that. I don't want to ruin it for myself. But man, Bolt, what a movie. I, I wish there were, they should have a Bolt ride. Nobody would want ride it, it, but I would ride it. But yeah, but I know I the see hamster. What you mean then because it didn't again, kind of like Tangled. Um, well, not that they're in the same league necessarily, but it didn't have that element that really pushed it into pop culture and memedom and everything, you know. Um, but movies really do need that element that pushes it into the well, public Frozen side. Well, Frozen also had Olaf. Frozen had Olaf, who right, yeah. was like, I, 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 which is what shocked me. We talked about this last week, but it just shocked me that he was barely in the trailer because Olaf yeah. was like everywhere for a long time. Like every movie tries it. Not every movie succeeds. Like Tangled had uh, Pascal or something, like the little uh, chameleon. Um, yeah. And all these movies have like a little sidekick, but it's like one in every ten that sidekick will like become like a pop culture icon, you know? Like every yeah. Disney movie has one, but yeah, Olaf well, was everywhere also, too. Frozen was a lot of it came down storm. to Josh Gad too. I think that's his name, right? Yeah, Josh Gad who voiced yeah. him because he did such a great job in in like giving every word out of his mouth, like that charm and that he has very good comedic timing. So that I think that really helped it as well. Versus if you'd had someone who didn't have that kind of personality voice the character. 
That's true. Fro- Frozen but, really but was just the perfect, the perfect storm. Like the same way Shrek was, you know, almost 20, 20 years ago, almost. That was, I remember that. And it was just, ev- that was huge because it was also the first, like, not raunchy, but kind of not i'm forgetting on every words like risque it was the humor was more mature i guess than really any other mainstream yeah it was a big disney it was a big time. disney parody pretty much yeah with with move with with humor that for 2001 was kind of shocking for a mainstream uh yeah, animated movie but that's what i mean you only need two of those things you need to have a really solid movie and for it to be uh, you know, like a cultural, like a short-term cultural phenomenon, or you need yeah. it to be a really good movie and it to stand the test of time. It doesn't need to be like a huge cultural phenomenon when it comes out if it really stands the test of time, like Ratatouille. Ratatouille didn't burn the world down when it came out. <laughs> yeah. Far from it, but it's stood the test of time as such a quality movie and enough people like it, Right. you know, that putting in an attraction now is a no-duh move. Shrek has kind of had the opposite the area where, really well, and yeah. Do you think? Do you think if they made like a new Shrek ride, like a new one that wasn't dated and it's like the Shrek ride now is dated as a ride? It's you oh, know. Yeah. But do you think if they made a new Shrek ride, it would just feel dated even if they put everything into it? I think it really just depends on where the movies are going. I think they kind of. We'll say they're done with the movies. Lost. And they if just want to make a movies, new Shrek yeah. ride. Do you think they could make one? Because I just feel like the movie Shrek, even though I love it and it is a really good movie, I think the movie is dated. Like, it it feels like a 2001 movie. Not just in visuals, yeah. just in I everywhere. Mean, I guess I could see it being a really cool ride and fun, and I'd enjoy it if they took... I always use Little Mermaid as an example, because I think that's a really great example of a dark ride, but for the modern technology times and everything... If they did something like that with Shrek, I think it'd be really fun. But yeah, I don't think I don't know if it would feel as fresh or I I don't know. Um, I just don't think Shrek. Stands, it, it would feel dated. It doesn't stand up in the same way that Ratatouille does. You know what I mean? Like Ratatouille yeah. doesn't feel like a product of its time. Shrek very much does. The same way Indiana Jones well, doesn't, doesn't feel like it, a product I mean, of its it time. It doesn't. It doesn't have Smash Mouth. You know, and that's well, that's a very, what that's I a mean. Great example that where, whole like, movie. Smash Mouth was everywhere and they were in every movie and every t- they were just everywhere and then like that they were just not popular and looked at as has-beens so i feel like that's kind of a good comparison to certain movie pop not saying that shrek is that at all but the fact that you know smash mouse was so huge and they did two songs for the movie you know it's kind of you know you watch that and you feel like you're in 2001 again or whenever it came out which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just you're you're putting a almost an expiration date on your movie. I, I wonder for people that have like kids, I wonder if they still like Shrek. Like if you sat them down and tried to get them to watch Shrek, would they like it? But it, I feel like it wasn't really a kids movie though either. I mean, it was. I mean, I loved it because there were there were so. I mean, me too. But I feel like there, it wasn't. They well again, like you said, they were kind of. It was like a parody of Disney movies where it wasn't squeaky clean and it didn't have the, the you know, the... But that was all lost on you as a kid, and, you, know, you know? Like, yeah. when I was a little kid when that movie well, came out... Well, that's what out, I mean. The demographic, I feel like, it was a kid's movie, but I felt like it was more intended for older... And maybe that's because I saw it when I was a little older. No, I know that's what, but, I, that's what I'm trying you know. to say is, you know, you probably... Like, I probably saw the movie when I was, like, four or something. Like... 
when I was a kid, the stuff that I loved was Donkey saying, I'm making waffles and stuff like that. Yeah, and, I'm you know, waffles. when you're a little older, that's that's that, that's nothing to you. That's the other humor yeah. that you pick up on later. That's why that movie's so great. Yeah. Because you can watch it as an adult and pick up on all the stuff you didn't. The second one, too, is also oh, yeah, great. Th- there's so many, like, political, there's so many jabs at, that's where it's like, in a way it's dated, but in a way it isn't, because I'm now seeing a lot, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been seeing more Shrek memes lately of Lord Farquaad being compared to certain political figures, <laughs> and then, you know. It's, be- it's because all, the, like, the people, like, in their prime, they're, like, in their prime meme-making age, which I'm going to say is, like, 16 to 24 is when you really <laughs> peak as a meme-maker. Yeah. They're the ones that were watching Shrek growing up, so you're seeing that. You know, it, it's the like... dreamers and the meme-makers. But, yeah, I, I I don't know. Shrek holds up as a movie, but it, it just because it holds up doesn't mean it isn't dated, you know? I think it, the problem is it would have to be, like, on the level of uh, the Little Mermaid attraction. But I cannot really see them putting more money or that level of money and time into an attraction unless they planned on doing, like, five more Shrek movies, which I think they're working on well no, I think it got canceled actually n- this is the rumor right now and i don't mean to ruin your day and the rest of your week um but the rumor is the next shrek release is going to work the minions into it that's bizarre but yeah hmm. i had a, i had a much more how would uh, they you know the universes wouldn't even make sense i don't know i mean in minions they est- in the movie Minions, they established that Minions have been around since like oh like I never saw prehistoric. That one. Oh my, it's it's the best uh, film in the the D M universe, Despicable Me universe. So great. Mm-hmm. That's not true. I didn't like it at all actually. But they they established in that movie that Minions have been around since like I don't know why we're getting into this, but Minions have been around since. I guess like, I thought they were dinosaur really era. Such trailers. I guess I thought. I guess with those kind of movies, I don't look at them as canon, not, not, uh, what do you call it? Canon kind of thing, sure, where they're not really establishing them. It's just, oh, wouldn't it be funny to throw minions during the prehistoric age rather than. Well, rather that's than why, there's no reason they can't throw them into Shrek, too. I mean, I hope they don't yeah. because that sounds like a disaster. I had um, heard the Shrek was canceled, so I don't know what's going on with it. I, I but think I would like to, Shrek's coming back, man. He's too profitable. Yeah. But I, w- I guess I'd put it this way. I'd love to see an attraction, a really great dark ride on Shrek. I don't think it would hold up as well unless they take Shrek in a new direction, which who knows? They might um, be doing that. I never saw the last Shrek. I saw all the other ones, but the last one I never got around to because I heard it wasn't all that great. It's way better than the third one. The third one is terrible, but the fourth one's pretty – I think it's pretty good. The, th- the third one's the, the one that's I don't awful. Know if it, I don't know if it, I'll have to watch them all again because I'm. I'd be curious to see how well the. Fir- I'm pretty sure the first one will hold up really the well. The first two. I'm hold curious up if the great. second one will because I remember that one was very current humor in that one. If the I second one's right. the second one's better than the first one in my opinion. Um, I remember loving. I thought it was God, funnier the second than the first one, one. The second one is so good. Like, I was Shrek. Like, you will never meet. I don't know why I'm bragging about this. You will never meet a bigger Shrek fan than me, or at least me in 2004. Like, I had all the toys. I mm-hmm. I had, like, a huge Shrek collection. They made, back when I was a kid, they made toys for everything. I mean, I suppose they probably still do right. now, 
but like when I was a kid, they made like cool toys for everything, you know, like that's a whole that's an that's uh, we don't get into it now, but that'd be an interesting topic because to the progression of toys from movies, because I remember and again, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but like Phantom Menace. I remember there were a bajillion toys that I had from that movie. And I feel like that's not as popular now. I feel like I didn't see a bajillion Force Awakens toys. I know they made them, but I remember or like Jurassic Park 2, Lost World. There were so many toys. And I had like a back home, I still have this huge bin of just Jurassic Park 2 toys. Um, so yeah, that's something I should look into that because I, I remember them being just way more back then but i'm not buying toys anymore so maybe that's why i just don't notice it yeah that's that's fair um but everyone tune in next week to hear us talk all about mark's uh jurassic park the lost world toy collection um he's going to catalog those we're going to go through those next week don't miss it Yep. and and i'll even uh because i do have some old whole movies on dvd of because i was obsessed with jurassic park i still love um first one um and i like the second one uh but yeah so i I used to make home movies all the time with like my jurassic park toys so maybe one day i'll rip them from dvd and put them on a special so you can see the creative mind of me having my tyrannosaurus rex eat all the characters over and over and over and over again because i thought that was the funniest thing in the world well i don't know how i feel about that but um Good podcast. Uh, Mark, do you have anything else to say? Mm, not off the top of my head. I think we pretty much got around to everything. Only thing, only thing I'll say is if you haven't already, um, check out the latest episode of Yesterworld where I explore the not-so-well-known history of Peter Pan's flight and all the different versions and changes that were made that a lot of people, um, I believe, are not aware of. Because that was a very fun video to make, but it was also very grueling in terms of the research and the um, documentation and all that. So check it out if you haven't already. And make sure to uh, rate us on iTunes or Spotify if you haven't. Uh, That's right. Definitely helps. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye, guys.